ask if you're ready. I hope you're ready. I'm ready. All right. Well, here we are back at it again. I already heard my chair creak. So how you been? I've been well, you know, nothing to complain about. How about you? Yeah, I've been doing good. I've been, uh, you know, I've been steady chilling. Watched a movie yesterday. What'd you watch? I watched Brotherhood of the Wolf. Can you believe it? I can't, considering I watched it as well recently. It's almost like we coordinated that. You know what? I think we should do a podcast over it right now. What would we call it, though? Into the Bog. You can find us on Twitter. What's up, guys? Haven't seen you in a while because we recorded an entire episode and had to throw it out. It was garbage. We apologize. It was bad. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you thought Juwan was bad. Well, imagine what we threw out sounded like. And you know what? You can get that kind of honesty here at Into the Bog. We're not going to feed you a bunch of garbage. We're going to give you high-quality audio content on the ready. Certainly high-quality are adjectives. So, Brotherhood of the Wolf. Brotherhood of the Wolf, an action horror movie. Now, I would use the term horror loosely. Yeah. Um, I would say that this is a horror movie in the way that Bloodborne is a horror game. Bloodborne was a scarier game to me than Brotherhood of the Wolf. There were a few, you know, jump scares or, I don't know, it was dark. This kind of felt like an action movie. To that end, what movie do you find scary anymore? I mean, Oof. at this point, I'm just looking for movies that make me uncomfortable. This one didn't. No. But I did enjoy it. I was very comfortable during this movie. The atmosphere was nice. I was settled in to 1700s France. So, speaking of France, we don't speak French. No. Uh, and we are going to butcher every name we try so we're just not going to very often we'll describe characters by characteristics or the role that they played unless they have easy to pronounce names uh and the only one in the movie off the top of my head is manny <laughs> i think that's the only one that that is actually pronounceable for me yeah my only experience with french is the candlestick in beauty and the beast whose name escapes me I, I couldn't pronounce it anyway. I genuinely can't remember. <laughs> anyway, uh, I guess we won't do. We'll just uh, review Beauty and the Beast. Done. Um, uh, Gaston's pretty hot. Ah oh, man, A plus character, ten out of ten. <laughs> um. So Brotherhood of the Wolf takes place. I think the intro takes place right during the French Revolution. You are met with a marquis nobleman. He's writing a memoir, and he can hear the mob outside. And he's recounting what happened to him in 1764 when a mysterious beast terrorized the province of French Place. I believe it's pronounced Jevardon. Ooh, what a linguist we have here. <laughs> it's going to be wrong. Sorry for any French people listening to this. I or, doubt there are. There might be some Canadians. You don't know. I highly doubt it. If you are listening, fuck the Habs. Yeah. So. 
as soon as they find out we're Bruins fans, we have lost <laughs> all Canadian credibility. <laughs> so right back into it. Go Bruins. But we are met with a knight and what they say, royal naturalist of King Louis XV, a guy by the name of Gregoire Danfronzac. Fucking good enough. I'm, I'm guessing. You know what? Franzac, that's what I'm going to say. If I'm wrong, tell me on Twitter. I think it's Franzac. Uh, it's close enough, sure. All right. And he's got his best friend, an Iroquois man named Manny. That's how you know he's a man. And they both arrive to capture the beast. All right. Some stuff you right there. We're going to have to talk about something here, right? Uh, and it's the awful fucking dubbing. Why the hell did they make that choice, right? I would much rather watch a subtitled French movie than I would a dubbed French movie. Did that distract you at all? Yeah. I was ready going into it to watch a subtitled French movie, but I got some bad dubbing. Yeah, there's a cut of this movie somewhere, I'm sure, that's subbed, but we both watch the dubbed one. Very weird. I don't, I don't know why, but it... It was a little off-putting. Yeah, it's like watching the old uh, dubbed Godzilla movies. It's just weird. I'd rather see it subbed. Uh, and also, I guess we should talk about Manny, who is intended to be uh, an Iroquois Native American man. But yeah. that did not read at first for me until I was told he was a Native American. Uh, I had no idea. I, I, I was picking up what they were laying down. Due to the time period, I was understood what they're going for. I'm glad you did. I guess I'm just stupid. I wouldn't say that. I just, I don't know, picked up on it. Yeah, our our man, the knight, Gregoire, George, we'll call him George. He just recently got back from a stint over in the Americas, and that's where he befriended this badass Iroquois Manny. Very badass. And I guess now they just travel the world doing cool shit, like hunting down scary things. And that's when you uh that's when we meet our two heroes of this movie. So this opening scene, um, actually, we missed a scene. What about the part where the girl is just like really shit at bouldering at the beginning? That first kill you see? Oh, yeah. Yeah, she was like trying to climb that boulder. That was a pretty cool kill, man. I thought. Yeah, she was. Uh, yeah, you. all you do is see the top half, half of her getting flung around. What, you know, I don't really know even what you describe it as. A thrashing. You. It was a thrashing. It was a thrashing. God, that, you know, good verb. Thank you. It's a thrashing. A thrashing. You could tell something had her thrashing her about and doing a damn good job. Another thing that I noticed immediately at the beginning of this movie, we should bring back the tricord. I 100% agree. Had a great Bloodborne aesthetic. I think we could do it for sure. I have one. I, I know that you have one, and I think I'm going to have to buy one. And It's my scuba diving hat you know, it's, on the boat. It's uh. It's April 20th, blaze it, uh, 2020, and we're still stuck in quarantine with COVID. Now is the time, if any time, to bring back Plague Doctor masks and tricorn hats, I think. I agree. Yeah, their clothing choices, awesome. Everyone looks pretty cool. Even the peasants in this movie, the peasants that uh, that you see quite a few times, the the one the, the ones that currently where we are in this, uh, this talk through of the movie, I guess. Uh, the ones that Manny thwomped at the beginning, saving the uh, the witch and her dad. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, there were a bunch of uh, soldiers dressed up like women trying to lure out the beast. 
And then they attacked our boy Manny and George for no reason. Actually, I don't know. I guess they were <laughs> they were attacking uh, they were attacking the old man and his daughter, and Manny stepped in. Right. You're right. Yeah. And, You're right. And, I misspoke. And Manny gave them a thrashing. Yeah, Manny gave them a thrashing. Now we are presented with some slow motion, super stylized fight scenes and they were great i really enjoyed them yeah i did i did not so i didn't know and and neither did jordan going into this movie that they were like choreographed like kung fu-esque fight scenes uh but you know i was into it i was here for it after the first one which which gave me whiplash threw me right off because again we're in 16th century france right 18th but yeah so we're in 18th century France, and uh, and all of a sudden, some peasants are getting whomped by a dude um, that knows kung fu. And you know what? That's cool. I'm fine with that. They were hardly peasants, though. They were they were soldiers. Yeah, I keep forgetting that because I wrote peasants in my notes because they were dressed as peasants. Yeah, we get some Sony Chiba esque fight scenes, and Manny just doing some sweet bow staff fighting. Mm-hmm. You know. From the opening shot of this fight scene, basically, uh, 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 one of the soldiers has like a just—it's a stick, but we're gonna call it a quarterstaff for the sake of the uh, for the sake of of the conversation. He he rushes forward and tries to like cross-check Manny with with this quarterstaff, and Manny just kicks him right in the fucking diaphragm and catches it and beats the shit out of him. And right then, I, I was hooked. I was ready to go. I didn't know that's what this movie was gonna be, but I was fucking down for it. Yeah, all aspects of horror be damned. I was ready for a kung fu movie done by an Iroquois Native American who also was in Double Dragon. I recognized this guy for sure, but couldn't place it. Yeah, he um, he played the crow in the uh, the crow sequel. I bet that's where I recognize him from. Then I haven't seen that in years and years, but that checks out. So yeah, after. George and Manny get into a tussle. They they arrived where they're supposed to be, and they're there to investigate some, I guess, the victims, the victims of this terrible monster that is plaguing this town, or the whole countryside, really. Yeah, I think the king sent George to analyze and identify the beast. Once it's been yeah. killed by the soldiers that the king sent there, who are doing a piss poor yeah, job. Louis the Fifteenth. Yeah, because Louis the Fifteenth, he didn't want people thinking he's doing a bad job and couldn't take care of this. So in come George and Manny. It's around here that we are introduced to the. Oh man, I'm gonna mispronounce this, but I believe the Moranger family, uh, the lovely, captivating Marianne de Moranger. And uh, the the much less captivating Jean Francois de Moranger. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's a bit of a creepy shit right from the start, isn't he? Man, he he is creepy. Yeah. I mean, he's got some dapper style about him, and for a guy with one arm, he's rocking it. Yeah, everybody had great arm cuffs in this movie. Oh yeah, he had some great you know black on red. You know, color scheme going on. He's got this really cool one-armed rifle yeah. built specifically for him. Sweet arm brace on that guy. 
Oh yeah, I mean, well, you gotta have one. Yeah, as long as you don't shoulder it. <laughs> I like I like the part. So you're gonna know what I'm talking about, but I can't remember what they're called. You know, in old circuses, when uh, you know, they'd sell like a monkey onto a fish and call it a mermaid. Oh yeah. Yeah, Fronsac pulls out uh, George. We've been calling him. George pulls out like a hairy trout and shows it off at a dinner party. I think they're called gaffs, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's a gaff. A gaff, yeah. So uh, he pulls out that hairy trout and shows it around, and you know everyone's like, "Oh shit, a Canadian hairy trout. That's interesting." And then you know Francois had to come and ruin the party, but I thought that was that was great. But you know George owns up to it. He's like, "Yeah, it's a joke." Yeah, and I think his point was that uh, you can you can lie about pertinent anything as long as you dress it up in latin <laughs> yeah it's a good point yeah that's solid doctors are always lying i get it now <laughs> don't vex just try to go to the doctor <laughs> <laughs> please vaccinate. we don't condone <laughs> <laughs> yeah get that out there oh the Bogwater boys told me not to vaccinate the last people you should listen to <laughs> literally the last uh us and 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 karen on facebook don't listen to her either she doesn't know what she's don't talking about Unless she has a medical degree, uh, and even then, maybe consult a secondary physician. But, but anyway, Marianne de Moranger, uh, uh, George grows quite fond of her pretty much immediately. She's a cutie for sure. Oh yeah, yeah, she's a looker. Yeah, you know, real girl next door vibe for 18th century France. Yeah, I presume. A little bit later, uh, everyone there's like some drinking, some revelry, um, and a little bit later, where <laughs> Fransac and the viewer uh, were introduced to Sylvia, an Italian courtesan at a local brothel, um, which, you know, she's definitely one of my favorite characters in this movie. Yeah, she can really get the fire going. Yeah, she was she was super pretty, very intriguing. Mysterious. As the dark side of the moon, some would say. Oh, yeah. And George, you know, he likes her, too. So, George, you can tell he's interested in uh, two women at the time. Let's talk about, okay, so the next, pretty much the next part, the next story beat of the movie, uh, a, vict- a new victim is found. And I, it I guess it might have been the girl from the beginning of the movie, but I don't think it was. Because uh, this was quite some time later, I think. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure because the timeline for this movie is a little bit weird. It, uh, it moves forward pretty fast and it kind of it kind of skips weeks and months occasionally. So uh, the, ne- the next story beat, though, there's there's a woman laying in the pond and i gotta say this this was like a surprisingly realistic corpse it looked pretty good yeah there, there was it was a solid some solid practical effects there was some uh, unexpected on my part gore yeah so this lady has just a wicked chunk taken out of her like we're talking like shark sized yeah it's pretty gnarly and our hero george and manny you know, George crouches down. He's analyzing it. He pulls out his protractor. <laughs> he's just really looking at this thing. Taking stock of the wound on this victim, uh, he insists that, that it is a wound that could not be inflicted by the ordinary French wolf. Right? And the captain of, of I guess the captain, shit, I don't know, military ranks um, for 18th century France, but the uh, I believe the captain of the soldiers that have been sent here by the king come and apologize to George and Manny. Yeah, they're all they're all hiding behind trees at this point. And I, I wasn't sure why, but they just don't... Hey, who goes there? Oh, sorry about what happened. Yeah. 
dialogue moved at a weird pace and i think that's because we were watching it dubbed ah yeah could be could be yeah so then then there's a hunt right right after that oh yeah it's a great hunt yeah and what is that the king puts out a big bounty what is that called when uh, you have a line of people moving prey through the woods? Do you know what I'm talking about? People still do that with deer. Yeah. I can't remember what that technique is called, but it's hella dangerous. I remember reading an article like, from last hunting season. Uh, a, a guy and his daughter got shot doing that, actually. But uh, they do that. They they run the the wolves through the woods, kill a bunch of them, really seems to upset Manny. Well, yeah. I mean, you could tell that, you know, they've just overkilled mm-hmm. these wolves. There's, they have a, a pile of corpses, and you know, you know parts of it are going to get wasted, which that's a big no-no for the Native Americans. I don't even know if, like, I'm sure that that is part of it, but also it, he had quite a connection to the white wolf that was around through most of the movie. So I'm wondering, cause they, there was a lot of talk of spirit animals and shit. And I'm wondering if his was meant to be a wolf, but yeah, this is the first scene where everyone just treats Manny like shit for no reason. Yeah. I, I mean, I was, I was even, you know, uncomfortable during the scene. Like it was, it wasn't really needed. Yeah. I was, I was uncomfortable too. Everyone was just like calling him a savage and asking if he could breed with white women and shit like that. I was pretty fucked up. But I mean, I, you know, like all aspects of a movie like that, it it does a good job of, you know, seeding in who the villains are. And, yeah. oh, we don't like these people. They're doing something bad. That's the reason it's being done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's definitely one of those scenes that serves to make you hate certain people and to show the connection because uh, Fronsac, you know, takes up for Manny consistently, calls Manny his brother. It serves a purpose, but, you know, still, you can't help but, but feel bad for Manny. He takes it on the chin. He does. As he does a few times through this movie. Yeah. Yeah, he, he deals with a lot of shit. Yeah. Winter comes, right? Not not a whole lot happens. And uh and winter creeps up upon the French countryside of Gévaudan. And there is surprise, another couple of victims. Two kids this time, I believe, right? Right. So Fronsac and Manny and a couple of, I think, uh, I think, I think creepy boy Francois goes with them, among others. They go looking for the victim and uh, they, well, victims actually, but they find one and Fronsac finds a fang made of steel. Oh, dun, dun, uh... yeah, uh, exposition happening and, uh, and a traumatized child Manny finds I think like under the roots of a tree or something like that. It was like in a weird, like a rabbit hole kind of thing situation who <laughs> this was, this was the first part where uh, things. I don't know. I don't really know how to explain it. They're but... not what they seem. Yeah. Um, this is, this is the first hint you get that this is maybe not a full blown supernatural event. I went into this movie thinking this was a werewolf movie. So did I. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, I've never... And, and also, uh, there was... Yeah, there was... Earlier in the movie, there was a little bit of uh, of foreshadowing, I, I, or so I thought, um, where Francois talks about how he has silver bullets. He uh, It's like his calling card during a hunt or whatever. He has silver bullets stamped with um, something, some identifying mark. So, you know, silver bullets, you think, 
right, this is definitely a werewolf movie. Uh, it's called Brotherhood of the Wolf. Um, so I was I was pretty ready to to, to watch a werewolf movie, but uh, you know I've never heard of you know the classic werewolf trope of steel fangs. So that threw me for a loop. And it's around this time in the movie where the soldiers are sent home, eh? And uh, the king sends... I'm not even sure what his name was, but we'll call him... We'll call him... Uh, we'll call him Assface. How about that? So the king sends Assface to to put an end to this beast because the soldiers were clearly, clearly not able to do it. He's the king's weapon master. Right. He's real close to the king. He, the king, he wants to put a stop to this. Wants it done. Mm-hmm. So, Weapon Master's proud idea, and I believe this was orchestrated by the king as well, it seemed to be implied as such, is to take a regular wolf corpse, tell everyone that the beast is dead, and have Fronsek, our hero, and a, an established um, taxidermy savant, as it were, uh, to create a gaff for him, right? He gives him a wolf corpse and tells him, turn this into the beast so you've been hearing reports of what the beast looks like through the movie it's big it spines on its back teeth like knobs um pitch black fur that kind of thing so fronsac to the dismay of manny uh turns this regular wolf into the beast of Chevaudon. which i mean if i may i just don't understand why the king would think this is a good idea this obviously been people dying mm. and it's going to kill again it's like eh, i'll just tell them we got it that was the part that i found confusing too um it doesn't make any sense no but hey you know i wasn't there i wasn't there either uh there's there's been a couple of things in the movie that honestly haven't made sense you know there was a sex scene where a girl was the the courtesan was riding Fronsac and he had pants on still, so I don't know what fun they were having there. Really. Yeah, that doesn't sound like much fun. No. So right before Fronsac is to return to Paris with this gaff that he's created, this fake this faux bet de Chevaudon, as it were, he has this I suppose it was meant to be prophetic dream. Um you know the ones I went he was he was in the uh the brothel mm-hmm. and he he like opens his eyes during the night and and he sees the courtesan that he's been seeing with black eyes and like this crazy headdress on and like stab him with a knife. I have no idea what that was about. do you no, I've never got anything out of that yeah it confused me. I mean it was a cool scene, good imagery yeah i guess it I guess it could technically be some some foreshadowing to an event we'll talk about in a second, but you know, it did. I, I don't know. <laughs> it was confusing for me. So, Fronsac and Manny are sent back to Paris. Um, they get there, and in Paris, they have a huge party. They show off the uh, supposedly taxidermy beast to a, to a crowd of people who all revel in the king's wisdom. Uh, Fronsac is congratulated and told to keep quiet about what he's done. This is also the first time I believe we're introduced to this book that uh, is apparently a a fiction story with political discourse, I guess, hidden in the book as a meta as metaphors or or something. Basically, it's it's uh, anti king propaganda, right? 
Right. Well, this, you know, this takes place during the 18th century, the a period of enlightenment in the region, if you will, where people were becoming a lot more progressive. They were trying to get away from religion. You get more away from religion. You get more away from the idea that God chooses who rules over you and therefore undermines all of the political structure that they have. I just went on a rant, but. But it is an important rant because this does take place during the French Revolution. Uh, I want, was that book? It, it, yeah, it takes place prior to the French Revolution. So therefore, this oh. book was the up and coming to the revolution. Right. So, so this, this is kind of the heating up of the lower classes that led to the revolution. Then. Right. It was the um, bubbles brewing in the cauldron, mm-hmm. if you will. So in exchange for keeping quiet about you know, faking this, this beast uh, for the king, the king is finally... F- I wouldn't say, I don't, I guess not funding, but there's there's all of a sudden room on a ship for Franzak to go to Africa, which he's wanted to do for a while because he's a naturalist. He wants to study, you know, all the stuff that's out there. Which is where Francois just came back from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He lost his arm to a, to a lion, supposedly, in Africa. Uh, can you imagine? <laughs> like, you, imagine what it must be like to be a naturalist going to, to Africa for the first time in... 1700s imagine seeing a fucking hippo without ever having heard of one before you know that'd be wild oh my god you would have magellan all over again just people coming back with these crazy stories of i saw this thing with the neck that was the size of a building (laughs) people are gonna what have you seen that picture of the stuffed lion that was done by a taxidermy person who, who has never seen a lion before no it looks like a confused puppet from between the lines or something I'll send you a picture. We'll tweet it. Uh, you can go on our yeah. Twitter, add into the vlog, and see the picture after after this podcast is up. But it's great. Also, if you're not familiar with Magellan, look that up. Bullshit artist extraordinaire. He was the guy who made the uh, shaving cream and the uh, GPS. <laughs> exactly. Which actually it was named after him. But yeah, I mean, it... not you know, poor choice. Well. I've never used one of those GPSs uh, because I prefer TomTom, created by the guy who started MySpace, I believe. Oh, yeah. His brother. <laughs> yeah. Tom Square. Tom and TomTom. Uh, so, cut forward a little bit. Um, Fran- Franzak and Manny, who has been basically MIA from the movie at this point for like 15 minutes, um, they're boarding a ship. They're They're about to head to Africa when our dear narrator... Marquis de Opcher, which is definitely pronounced wrong. Uh, I think his name is Thomas. Um, he shows up and he's like, hey, we really need you back in Gévaudan. The beast attacked again. Uh, shit's happening all over again. And Fransac, of course, is like, ah, the king told me that I would, I would disappear if I went back there. So I'm not going to do that. So he's got to sweeten the pot with a letter from, uh, from the beautiful Marianne de Moranger. Uh, apologizing for a misunderstanding that they had um, and asking him to come back, uh, which is enough for, for Franzek. Uh, a booty call, as it were, basically. Yeah. The smile of a beautiful woman. He's willing to cross the ocean and go wherever he's going. Yeah. Well, I, don't think he... I guess he didn't have to cross the he ocean didn't there, to, did no, he? He, he, was, he was kind of already there. He just sort of meandered around France. Uh, yeah. More than anything. But you know what? 
I think that he would walk 500 miles and probably 500 more just to be the man who walked a thousand miles to fall down at Marianne de Moranger's door. Bet he didn't have a Fiero though. <laughs> didn't have a Fiero. So they make it back to Gévaudan. Uh He sees Marianne. They're in this little cottage with, with two other people that I don't recognize at all. No. Yeah, this kind of came out of nowhere for me. She meets him out in the woods, which is a brilliant idea, what with this whole beast, this whole beast situation happening. Um, and surprise, surprise, you kind of see the beast creeping around in the back uh, while Fransac is moving through the woods toward, toward this building. One of the people that Marianne is with goes to get a bottle of wine from a cellar and is promptly attacked by this beast, and, and he's given a thrashing. For sure. Another thrashing. Another thrashing. Um, and you're like, oh, I remember a thrashing happening at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, it all came full circle. So I, I cannot stress enough um, that this beast destroyed a hut, right? It it, it tore the, it, it jumped from the cellar through the floor. You know, it, it thrashed around and broke rafters and uh, busts through a wall at one point. A full you know, a small cottage, really, it destroyed it. This is important because I'm going to come back to it. All right, stick with me. So the the wolf has now been seen by Franzek. This is the first time our hero has seen the wolf or the beast. And it's clear to the viewer, and I believe Franzek, uh, that, that this is not some huge, I mean, it is a huge menacing beast, but it, it's covered in some kind of armor? What do you, what what is your speculation that 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 stuff was made of? That metal armor. Uh, somebody had outfitted this thing to be a warhound. Yeah, it certainly looked like parts of it were bone or stone or something like that to me. But it had like outer jaws made of steel. It, you could tell it looked makeshift. Like you could tell this wasn't a mythological or supernatural creature. That mm-hmm. this was some steampunk, eighteenth century French. Warhound. So, a couple of times in this movie, you're shown what I believed to be a group of peasants as I was watching it. Uh, and the central figure is the the lady at the beginning who is being accused of being a witch by the soldiers. Uh, she has a seizure at one point, and the father is like adamant to everyone in the crowd that she's just having a fit and she's not possessed or whatever. And Franzak keeps her from biting her tongue and. You see her again during the hunt. The hunt. Oh, that was actually the same scene, wasn't it? I don't know. She's kind of in the background of a few shots. She's around, right? She's just hanging out. Yeah. So we're shown here two Rottweilers in a pit. And, uh, you know, I am not a fan of dogfighting, as most modern human beings aren't. Most people are are privy to, to this kind of cruelty being awful. But I guess not in 1700s France, because I thought we were going to see some dogfighting, right? Um, but instead, this peasant lady uh, that you've seen so many times lifts a big cage, and the beast himself comes out and uh, off-screen kills these Rottweilers. So this was weird for me, because um, you just see this group of, of, of very poor people Hanging out with the beast, essentially, and uh, just chilling. Yeah. Luckily, we have the uh, the knowledge now to know that that this is foreshadowing something. But at the time, I was just confused as shit when I saw the scene. I was like, "Oh, they have a mechanical puppy." 
All right, so this is one of my favorite parts of the movie <laughs> for a couple of reasons. Uh, Franzak, Manny, and Marquis, they they prepare for a hunt, just the three of them, right? So they know the creature now. Franzak is pretty sure that it's being controlled by a sort of handler and that it's just kind of a weapon. And Manny is just a badass. So they prepare, right? They they go to this this kind of ruin, like half ruin, half pit, I guess. It's like a catacomb. Yeah, it, well, it's certainly something. And uh, and they lure the monster to it. Now, this is why I told you to remember, dear listener, the, the hut that the monster, that Fronsack had seen the monster destroy. They try and trap it with what appears to be like, so it's like bamboo or saplings or something like that. Like a cage made of like shambled together bits of wood. And I don't know why they thought that was going to work in a thousand years when they saw it destroy a house. Could not have been more structurally sound than some seeded French trees cut to make a cabin out of. No way. Yeah, uh, they they were using jute twine and chicken skewers from a hibachi restaurant. <laughs> and yeah, they MacGyvered their way into some Vietnamese trap. I have no idea why they thought thought that was going to work, but certainly they did. They do manage to wound the beast, uh, although Marquis gets pretty messed up. Manny tracks the beast back to the lair that we previously saw the, the dogfighting ring, right? And I hate to say it, this is where we lose best guy, Manny. Man, I, I was upset. Yeah. I was, I was devastated here. Broke my heart. But how did we lose him? Tell the listener. He was shot by the handler of the of the beast, right? He was attacked by the peasants that were watching the dogfight. Now, after this scene, we are we cut to the uh, the Moranger Castle, where everyone's suspicions are revealed. Uh, Francois, the creepy shit, he he's lusting after his own sister Marianne, and uh, you know he enters her bedroom. And, and reveals that his, his arm has not been missing this entire movie. Uh, and he's actually got this disgusting monster arm that we've seen in a couple of shots up to this point, um, kind of giving commands to the beast or playing a flute that, that calls the beast to him. So, boom, big reveal. Francois is the, the handler of the beast, I guess. Now, this gross arm, it look, looks like Quasimodo's back. Yeah. Like, I can't stress enough how much it looks like Freddy Krueger fingered a rotten mango and then put terrifying fake nails on it. Yeah, like the strong hand guy from Scary Movie, if that was his whole arm. That would be Francois's arm. It's gross, for sure. Gross. So, unhappy that his sister Marianne uh, spurns his romantic approaches. Shocking, right? Like, how many (laughs) sisters turned down their creepy brother? who just reveals some weird little conjoined twin arm poking out. There is an off-screen rape scene. So if you're squeamish to that kind of thing, as I certainly am, and I know you are as well. I com- I completely missed it. I must have like got a drink of water or yeah. played Jenga. I don't know, but it was it was uh, it was merely it was implied it was off screen but it certainly did happen i'm not upset i missed it I'm... yeah <laughs> i wish that i had <laughs> i wish i didn't have to talk about it because 
I can't stand rape scenes in movies. They make me really uncomfortable. I don't like it. Even when they're put in there for a purpose to, you know, for the plot point of the movie. Yeah. I don't I don't need it to be there for the movie. Me neither. Yeah, Fran- Francois was was creepy enough without the rape scene. Like we already know that he's lusting after his sister. Yeah, he's already been like kind of like trying to kiss on her and yeah. always says how much he needs her. Yeah, and uh he he has been trying to come he successfully came between our hero Fransac and and Marianne de Moranger once before. Twice. Oh yeah, he definitely played the victim card a few times. Mm-hmm. Where do you knew it was creepy? Didn't need the rape scene, but it happened. Let's move on. So, our hero, we are, I, I know that we're messing the timeline up a little bit. If you watch the movie and then listen to this, things are going to be like slightly out of order, but we are trying our best. This is a hella long movie, and uh, I think we're keeping it pretty tight. So, but I know I did just mess this up because right before that happened, uh, <clears throat> our hero, Fransac, finds Manny's dead body, and he cremates it on this on this beautiful pyre with, uh, you know, an ass blanket he does it at sunrise because you know according to the movie the iroquois believe that's the best time to reunite someone with their ancestors it's a beautiful shot it is it's beautiful it's like luke skywalker looking at darth vader's body on the funeral pyre it's almost as sad as chewbacca not getting a medal almost it's pretty sad we didn't want to see manny go we did what about the reveal buried in the back of our dear manny is a silver bullet a silver bullet who would have a silver bullet well jordan if you remember earlier i said that jean francois uses silver bullets during hunts to identify his kills so what does that imply for us so far not only is he a creepy wannabe inbred also murder of the best hero of this movie exactly so Fransac, upon finding this silver bullet, which he knows to be Francois, goes on, whoo boy, a bit of a tear, doesn't he? <laughs> he goes on a rip and tear. Yeah, he goes so, full doom guy. Yeah, so you have, you know, the whole movie, you got this man, and you could tell he's an intellectual. He doesn't force himself into violent situations. He kind of, kind you know, plays back, lets man do the work. Not today. He really lets loose. Yeah, he does. So he returns to the. Actually, no. He 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 goes to the house where all of these, what I've been assuming so far, are peasants, which I believe they are. I don't actually know how he got there. Come to think of it, I don't know if I just missed it, but I don't know how he knows where all of those people are. Do you remember? No, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember either. Well, anyway, he finds the place. He sets the stables outside on fire. He goes inside. And this tender, uh, loving, intellectual absolutely fucks these people up. We we get some more choreographed fight scenes, which I am a total sucker for. Yeah, we it's it's a brutal looking combat. It's it's good. Mm-hmm. It's a pleasure to watch. So this this is after the the fucking beatdown that Fransac puts on these people. He also finds the hidden printing press where they're printing all of these books that the king is trying to suppress. So, big reveal. The peasants are not not as, I don't know, background as they seemed, I suppose. Also, how are they running a printing press? I can't imagine most of them know how to read. They probably got one guy that knows how to read. 
So. And he just kind of does all of the proofreading for him. It's like, hey, you, pull that lever. I don't know. That's kind of what I assume. Yeah, I'll roll with it. I'm fine with that. So, you know, he goes back, he burns Manny's body. Then the uh, the Moranger guard, I believe it was, uh, they arrest Fransac for, fuck, I, th- I think for just murdering a shit ton of, uh, of peasants in the woods. Um, and who visits him? When he is in uh, this terrible dungeon. Oh, it's um Sylvia. Sylvia. Sylvia visits him and uh, demands that he be given a dinner, which doesn't seem to work out so well for, for our hero. No, not at all. No. He, uh, well, he fucking dies, <laughs> basically. He's been poisoned by the courtesan, who gives us some exposition. So the big reveal... This secret society created to do something or another, to be honest. This movie's this movie's long, and I was starting to lose. I was starting to kind of lose track of the plot at this point. There's a lot of information being thrown at you. Yeah, you're talking two hours and 30 minutes, and I was starting to lose interest in the plot. Yeah, I was definitely here more for the monster fight and, and kung fu peasant fights at this point. Anyway... We find out about the secret society, and uh, it turns out most of the Moranger family, aside from Marianne, is actually part of, and I believe leading this uh, this secret society as well. So, big reveal, Fransac isn't dead. He was actually given, I assume, one of those fancy poisons you see in movies all the time that uh, slow your heart rate down enough to make you seem dead. Yeah, it puts you in a temporary coma. But it shows Sylvia having two people dig him up. That's when... We, we see this whole scene where Francois is fucking insane. And then cut to a fancy little meeting in the woods of the Brotherhood of the Wolf and, uh, you know, all these members of the Moranger family, so on and so forth. And all of the peasants, by the way. And who shows up? Our hero Fransac. Pops out of a window, ready to start some shit. And start some shit he does. Oh, he does. I think he, he, he even scalps somebody? He definitely scalps a guy, yeah. Um, jumps down, rocks a couple of a couple of peasants, scalps a guy, and then calls out all these members of the Moranger family, and you know all these all these people that we've we've seen him interact with throughout the movie. And then Francois takes off his mask and shirt for some reason, and uh, and there he is in a very Tim Curry esque corset. And uh, what is that? What would you call that weapon he's got there? That would be your historically accurate Soul Calibur sword whip <laughs> made of bone. Mm. Apparently quite a hard bone too, because he smashes a couple hard bone. He smashes a couple of uh stone pillars with it. Yeah, it doesn't really look all that sharp, so I don't know how great of a sword it's gonna make. Yeah, not sharp. And and also it's made of bone. Which while they can be certainly quite quite hard. Um, I don't think they're hard enough to smash stone pillars to bits, but mm, no, you know, sometimes you just got to, uh, you got to roll with it. So we get an epic fight between Fransac and Francois. This has been coming for the whole movie. And I will say it's a pretty, it's a pretty sick fight. It's pretty good. It's something like you've been wanting since the start of the movie. You knew it's going to happen. Yeah. We also get this witch girl peasant lady that I've mentioned a few times, the one that had a seizure, the one that's been in the background constantly. Uh, you finally see her get got by, I believe, Sylvia. She has like a cool Mortal Kombat jade fan, you know? 
Oh yeah. Yeah, and she she ices the girl with it. It's pretty cool. Fight with the weird bone weapon. I mean, the weird bone weapon aside, it was a cool fight. Some soldiers that were there to, I, I believe on the Marquis order, I guess, that were there to back up Fronsac. They kind of clean up everybody else that Fronsac didn't deal with, except for the head of the Moranger household, who we see get pretty fucked up by a pack of wolves, which was satisfying. Yeah, he gets ravaged. Yeah. So when our when our hero Fronsac finally manages to stab Francois, sort of. I mean, Francois Francois kind of killed himself, to be honest. Uh, but we're gonna give the hero we're gonna we're, we're gonna give the uh, the credit to Fronsac anyway, because you know he deserves it. Yeah, I'm giving it to George. Yeah. Um, there's a bit of exposition where Francois implies that Marianne is dead. Now, again. The scene that I was talking about earlier, it was off screen. So I don't know what really happened or why she would be dying. So as a viewer, you could believe him. Yeah, sure. Because we didn't see it. Right. And uh, after they've cleaned up the Brotherhood of the Wolf, um, Fronsac is on his way back to the Moranger Chateau or, or Manor. I don't, I don't know. Uh, and he is met by Marquis telling him that Marianne is dying. So... He, he rushes back. He, he runs in and tells all of her friends and family to get out of the room um, because he's more important, this person that she's interacted with like four times. Uh, and now I don't like this bit. And I don't know why. I went into this movie expecting a supernatural movie, but I got mostly not a supernatural movie. It was more of a weird kind of Hound of the Baskerville mystery situation. So earlier in the movie... <clears throughs> there's a character who is sort of in a uh, in a stupor in a coma after being attacked by the beast and Manny opens up like a little bracelet and and pours some sand stuff in her face and does like a bit of a chant and uh, she comes out of the coma right we see the the bracelet gets stolen after Manny is killed by one of the brotherhood and then during the final you know battle when when Fronsac kills a bunch of them he retrieves it so he goes back and he does the same sort of sand thing to Marianne, who wakes up. It saves her. I don't, I don't know why that just rubbed me the wrong way. Like this weird MacGuffin kind of thing. This it, it, it felt cheap. Yeah, it did. It felt like the cheap way out for sure. I would have rather just not have the dying plot, or you know, it, it wasn't needed. Maybe she recovers by some bone broth and herbs from the forest or something. Pretty much anything would have been better than this weird Native American sand bracelet. But she does recover because we get a little closing exposition from Marquis. The movie's essentially over at this point, right? The only thing we have after this is the Marquis, it's, it's quote, modern times, I guess now. It is, it is firmly the French Revolution. It's, uh, I believe this movie took place around the 1760s, right, is when it started. It uh, started in probably around 1764. Right. Okay. So I think it's the 1780s or 90s now. It's 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 much later. Marquis is much much older. And recalling the story, uh, you see some peasants outside, pitchforks, uh, torches, the whole thing. And he he has one last kind of flashback to him and Fronsac going back to the the pit where uh, the beast ate the Rottweilers, and. Uh, this would have been, I assume, right after Fronsac saved Marianne, right before they left uh, for Paris. They go down there, and the beast is still wounded from from everything that uh, Manny and 
Fronsack and Marquis had done. They shot it. They uh, fucking Manny hit it with a tomahawk in the face. You know, it was all kinds of wild. And the handler of the monster that we've seen a few times in the movie, he's not super important, but we, you know, he's around. Uh, he explains that this was a, a beast that Francois, I believe, brought back from Africa. So my first thought was like hyena, right? That they just strapped a bunch of shit to. Yeah. Um, I don't know. They never confirm it, but I mean, that would have been my guess. I think the coloring around the eye for the fur would have been about right. It was kind of a sandy brown and hyenas get pretty fucking big right and that was one of my biggest letdowns too i wanted to see the creature yeah without the armor on at least yeah all we got was the inside of its mouth and around its eye which he gently brushes with his finger in a caring manner yeah he strokes the dying beast it was almost sad in a weird way like it was like i had no reason to be attached to this creature yeah, but I feel like I really have no reason to hate it either. It was taught hate yeah. and fear. It was taught to murder. And if it had never been brought from Africa, it'd probably just be chilling out doing whatever the fuck it would have been doing in Africa anyway. So Just hanging out. The hubris of man got this creature killed. So it's pretty shit. And that's that's really it. I mean, the mark. George puts it down right there. Yeah, George, George puts it down. The handler is visibly upset. The creature was dying anyway, so it was more of a mercy kill than anything. And then Thomas... A flashback to quote modern times and thomas uh walks into the the peasantry to be i assume sentenced for the crime of being a nobleman and uh we see we see fransac and marianne aboard a ship called i believe like uh frere loop or something like that it's it's it, i think it means like a uh, brother wolf <laughs> which was yeah loop uh yeah and loop wolf. Uh, they dump manny's ashes in the ocean roll credits yeah which i mean the Marquis's last words were, he, he was like, he doesn't know what happens to Franzak and Marianne. I'm thinking maybe they went back to America, or maybe they went to Africa. One of the two. I, I, I like to think that they went to Africa and sort of just jobbed around and did cool shit. I like to think that maybe they went back to the Americas and, I don't know, like, maybe went and found Manny's family, as easy as it is to track down, you know, an Iroquois tribe. Well, I believe... There is a bit of exposition uh, explaining that Manny was the last of his tribe. Mm, I must have missed that. <laughs> yeah, his Fransac was actually in America on orders of the king, and they gave some smallpox blankets to his tribe. And uh, I guess they captured Manny, and Manny slit the captain's throat, and Fransac protected him from the rest of the men, I guess, like kept it quiet and didn't let everyone find out that he killed the captain. And that's why they're so close uh he saved manny's life i guess so and i think he stated that manny saved his as well yeah probably that one part i'm not sure they seemed quite close and they were genuinely caring they were brothers so speaking of manny the actor mark decascas i believe his name is he actually learned how to ride a horse he learned how to speak french and studied mohawk indian culture just for this role he Took a veritable college course to 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 better perform in his role. And That's impressive. It is quite impressive, and he did a, he did a pretty good job. Um, That's a lot more than Nicolas Cage did for his role in our <laughs> previous episode. Yeah, I think he just watched Vampires Kiss to get his old accent down, and that was about it for that movie. Nailed it. Uh, yeah. Um, looks like we should have covered this probably in the beginning, but this is actually based on a seemingly true account or multiple accounts really there was a a beast of Gévaudan um from 1764 to 1767 a 
reportedly wolf-like creature prowled, I think, the southern regions of France, uh, the Gévaudan area, and killed about 100 people. Um, nobody really knows what it was. Nobody found it. It was just assumed to be quite a large wolf, I believe. You can read more about that. That's when all your cryptozoologists come together and they're like, definitely a werewolf. Yeah. Um, my dad, when I was a kid, had a book full of, uh, <laughs> quote, real accounts of of werewolf and uh, vampire attacks and stuff like that. And I actually remember reading about the Beast of Shaval Dawn in that book. I don't know what the book was anymore, but. I mean, one or two people, it's like, eh. But 100 people, you know, that's a lot. Yeah. And reports all said that it was like, you know, massive and, and super scary. Um, I don't know anything about steel teeth. I don't remember that, but. Uh, well, they took a lot of uh, artistic liberty here. Yeah. And, you know, they wanted to give the mystery a face and a political objective. They did it well. That's the movie. It is. Yeah. Brotherhood of the Wolf. Going into it, I kind of expected more like a gang of werewolves. I did too, and I, and watching the movie, I kept expecting Francois to be a werewolf. I thought for a while that Francois was the beast of J. Baldon. Um, God, I'm, I'm really sorry for any French speakers listening to this. I know I've said that so many times, you're probably cringing every time, but uh, I expected him to be the beast for a while until we got like the kind of shot of the handler and the beast and stuff like that. I don't know. It, it sets Francois up as the villain fairly early. So yeah, yeah. You know, like I said, real creepy guy. Good movie though. I, I liked it. I would, uh, I'd watch it again. I would. Two and a half hours is a little much, but I'd do it. I'd rewatch it. Yeah, definitely a good movie. We don't do we don't really do ratings or anything. That's the best you'll get out of us. But yeah, yeah. it was good. I liked it. I Which I gotta it. say, if I'm gonna rewatch something, that's a pretty damn good rating. Yeah, it's true. You don't you don't really do that. No, it's too much out there. <laughs> Yeah, that's my problem. I just watch like the same forty movies over and over and over. <laughs> so, yeah. What else? Uh, what else you've been into? We so we did the movie. You know what we think about it. Hit us up on Twitter at Into the Bog. Yeah, we apologize. It's not really a horror movie, but we went into it thinking it's a horror movie, so that counts. We did, and I'd call it horror adjacent. It was kind of a murder mystery kung fu movie with horror elements which sounds really weird and i will say that it is it was it's a horror movie for people that don't watch horror movies if you love if you love european or specifically french history you'll probably be into it and i did i'm a, I'm a big history buff and that you know i could get i really got behind the uh 18th century period piece that they were going for mm-hmm. And they managed a surprisingly confident period piece on a, what I can find to be $29 million budget. That's still pretty low. I mean, most Hollywood movies, this came out in 2001, so I don't know what the average would have been at the time, but like a modern, like, like mid range budget movie is like 60 million or something like that. So this is still pretty well under that, you know, it's higher budget. This is the highest budget movie we've talked about on the podcast so far, but. It's still fairly low. And they had a large cast. Like a lot of your lower budget horror movies don't have a lot of actors. And this one had a lot of background characters, a lot of set pieces that could not have been easy to make. Yeah. Well, a lot of it, the, I guess the good part about filming in France is that a lot of it could just be filmed on location. They still have, you know, lots of nice castles and shit like that laying around up there. So 
But I mean, there was some, you know, high quality cinematography done. The now we'll say that the beast has some rough CGI. Oh yeah. Yeah, it is. That is true. I meant to bring that up. It's, it looks bad, frankly, straight up. It's bad. bad. There are a couple of shots where it is practical and that, those were actually done by the, uh, Jim Henson's creature shop. They, they look good. The, the, yeah. you pretty much only get close-ups of its head, uh, from what I can remember, but they do look good. And I feel like the whole movie could have been done. It just would have looked better practical. I'm always going to have that opinion. Every Always. every time we talk about a movie, look forward to it, especially when we cover an American Werewolf in London, because I'm going to fucking gush about that movie for an entire hour. Um, I'm always going to prefer practical. It's always going to look better. It's always going to age better. Like at at best, you get you get an American Werewolf in London, but even even at worst, like I don't know, Troll Two is still fun to watch, even though that movie fucking sucks. At least it's still fun to watch because you can at least make fun of the poor costumes in that movie. I mean, this this was a good movie, but yeah, that is definitely the weakest part of it would be the CGI. Yeah, the long run time and cheap CGI. Which, you know, I mean, $29 million. I don't want to, you know, stick on it too long, but like I said, you invest that much money into these great costumes, beautiful design, slow motion action shots. To give us some cheap CGI. Yeah. Like this movie was made in what, 2000, 2001? Mm-hmm. 2001. Like, come on. You can do better than that. But enough of that. Good movie. Yeah, they, they unfortunately didn't do that. <laughs> but the, this movie, this movie bleeds atmosphere, man. Um, it's, it's beautiful. The, the, the French countryside, every shot, just every time that they're in the woods or they're showing a victim about to be murdered. Everything is beautiful. <laughs> like um, I've always wanted to go to France anyway, but this movie definitely solidified that not some other great French movie or no, no, no. It was brotherhood of the wolf 2001. It's, it's just lovely. I mean, it truly is. What else you've been into, man? I did play a horror PS3 game the other day that we picked up in Japan. Dead space. Uh, no. It was Corey in the house. Ha ha ha. No. Just joking. <laughs> Never heard that before. <laughs> oh, we can cut that out. Uh, nope. Stay in it. It was Siren. Something something call. I can't remember. But no. Siren. So, what's it about? Tell me about it. Siren is a horror survival Japanese horror game, which surprisingly had a mostly American cast that you play as. So that was odd and unexpected. It takes place in modern, a modern town in Japan where a, some kind of virus gets spreading around and everyone turns into these, think the movie, the crazies. Everybody's just this weird possessed demon shell of a person they once were. And all of your characters you're playing as just have to sneak around or find implemented weapons and solve puzzles and try to survive. What's the gameplay like? Oh. It's done a lot like the early Silent Hill games and the clunky Resident Evil controls. That's that's where I live, man. So On top of being packaged in a really grainy filter... 
it's it's some weird i don't know i don't know how you put it the the camera is weird it's hard to see everything's dark how are you handling the puzzles and stuff like that i'm assuming it's in japanese right oh man the entire most of the game is in japanese and uh except uh i think the menus oddly aren't Mm -hmm. Yeah, but all of the dialogue is in Japanese. All of your tips and hints are in Japanese, which we're having to use Google Translate to try to get through, which that's fun. Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't just find an online guide or something like that. Uh, Tiffany did, but, you know, that breaks my immersion. Yeah, fair enough. But, you know, it's you know early survival horror, so it's not terribly complicated to figure out. Like, all of your paths are kind of straightforward. Like, you have a mini-map, so you can find the way to go, but they do a good job of make it un- making it unsettling. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> most of my favorite, uh, but really all of my favorite survival horror games are Japanese games. Well, I mean, like I like Silent Hill, Resident Evil, Fatal Frame. I, I'm a huge fan. Mm-hmm. This is really good, and every enemy you encounter chases you and can kill you. So everything is a threat in that game. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely worth checking out. We're maybe halfway in. Probably more like a quarter. Definitely worth checking out. Maybe next time you're up, we'll play it. Yeah, sounds cool. We'll, uh, maybe we'll throw a, like a link to the Wikipedia page or something like that for the game on uh, Twitter so you can read more about that if you're interested. Again, at Into the Bug on Twitter. No, great game. If you like horror games, just let us know what you want us to play. We're always down to try something new or something old. <laughs> more into older <laughs> survival horror games yeah i don't really i actually can't think of a lot of newer survival horror except with that evil within i was gonna say amnesia and i realized that was probably like 10 years ago so <laughs> yeah that's uh that came out probably right around brotherhood of the wolf i don't think it was that was that would have been more like uh you're thinking of penumbra probably oh i am thinking of penumbra the it was like it had to be like around 2008, 2010, I would say, when Amnesia came out. Yeah, it was like what PS2. Not even close, but no, no, no. It was a. Uh, I don't even know if it's on console. As far as I know, it was just PC exclusive. I think it was on Xbox, man. Yeah, well, it was on. They re-released it on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One and Switch, apparently. No, okay. Well, I, I won't. I won't count that, but yeah. It came out. Yeah, it came out in 2010, and then it got ported in 2016 for PlayStation 4. 2018 for Xbox One, and I guess recently or soon for Switch. Yeah, it was like September last year. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's a fairly old game, ten years. So yeah, I don't I don't I haven't kept up. I don't for some reason like I love Resident Evil all the way up to Resident Evil Four, and I think Resident Evil Five is like a fun co-op game, but it's not really what I'm looking for in a Resident Evil game. No, but Resident Evil Seven was like almost too much. Like first person horror just gets to me for some reason, man, and uh, it's it's rough. I played it and enjoyed it. It was good, but I don't like uh, I don't like jump scares. So shit like Five Nights at Freddy's and stuff like that's definitely not for me. Yeah, I'm not even gonna dignify that game. If you're if you're into that, that's cool, but it's definitely not for me. Yeah, get out of here with that. <laughs> uh, so alienated our crossover fan base with Five Nights at Freddy's. Hope you're happy. Well, well I'll bring it up on my Five Nights at Freddy's podcast. I'm doing after this. <laughs> um. Well, you know. Good luck doing that with whatever 13-year-old you found to do that with. That's Let's cut that part out. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man, anything else to add? No. 
that, that does it, man. Yeah, thanks for hanging out with us. Sorry we missed last week. We uh we like I said, we recorded one, but it just was not up to snuff, so No, we were we were not on track. And we don't want to put you through that. You got precious time, you've got things to do. You could be listening to anything else in the world, but you're choosing to listen to us for some unknown reason. So yeah, we're not gonna give you a crappy podcast. Or we're gonna give you the least crappy podcast we can anyway. Uh so that's Brotherhood of the Wolf and uh and Siren on PS3. Glad we went over that. And maybe next time we'll talk about a game that I've been playing. Hopefully I'll have it finished by then. Thanks for listening. Bye.